There's smoke coming from your forehead right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm intelligent. All right, how about this? <laughs> <laughs> three desert island books. What are you bringing? If you're stranded on a desert island, you have to read only three books for the rest of your life. Um, one of them would have to be how to survive on a desert island. That's probably a like move. That's yeah, that's that's a yeah. smart pick. Smart pick. What's another one I can read over and over? Um, probably a dirty magazine or something. <laughs> All of them. All of, do, do they? Does an entire collection count as one book? Um, maybe if it's like seventies era. <laughs> that's the worst era. I th- so no, much actually, hair. Believe it or not, I feel like the worst era is when Playboy stopped having nude pictures for a while. That was probably the worst era. I wasn't aware that that happened. They did that a couple years ago, and they decided that was a good marketing move, is to get rid of the naked girlies. And surprisingly, their sales tanked immediately. What? It's like, get woke, go broke? Apparently. Something like that. Um, I think maybe maybe like a collection of uh, Lovecraft stories. That could be cool. Yeah, I feel like it'd have immense power over my brain because of how terrifying it'd be to be on a desert island. Maybe I could learn how to summon an old god to rescue me or just... Destroy the island. Destroy the island, yeah. That's what I'd do. Or maybe turn into a fish monster so you could swim away. Oh, man, that'd be dope. I always wondered, though, how awful the transition period would be from going from human to smelly fish beast. Like, there's got to be a... Like, when you're getting the gills and stuff, it's got to be a slimy, gross uh, area in between there that's not... Wouldn't be pleasurable at all. Because you don't just immediately go to fish monster who's swimming. That's true. And you have to wonder, like, are you going to have some serious breathing problems as you transition to gills? Yeah, and your skin getting used to the salt water. Yeah. You know what would fucking suck? If you were stranded on the desert island, you became the fish monster, and it wasn't like a horrible transition, you just became fish monster, but it turned out you were freshwater fish monster, <laughs> so you're still stranded <laughs> on the island. Oh, man. You still that couldn't swim. <laughs> Just to, like, go in the water and start convulsing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happens when you throw a saltwater fish or a freshwater fish in saltwater. What makes them die? I don't know the... They they suffocate, like, really fast. That's so unfortunate because you're, like, probably 99% the same animal, but not. You can't breathe underwater. And they, like, dehydrate really fast because all the salt in the ocean, all their, like, their biology isn't set up to ward that off. So literally, it's like they're mummified when they put they're put into water. They they suffocate and then their bodies desiccate. Well, that sucks. See, yeah. If you're a fish monster, you you probably don't want that to happen to you. <laughs> you you definitely need to be wise about what bodies of water you're going to be transitioning near if you're going to be becoming a uh, a fish monster. I feel like that's a would be a good plot for H.P. Lovecraft story because maybe the fish monster gets transported. From, you know, the New England seaside to, like, the Great Lakes and doesn't realize it and just gets completely screwed over. Dude, wouldn't that suck? (laughs) (laughs) I have to summon the old guy. I can't go in there. It's like turning into a, like, moving into a really bad neighborhood. You're like, ow. (laughs) You just see him with, like, duct taped glasses onto, on his neck with salt water inside of him so he can breathe as he walks down the street oh man 
Wait, well, what? Classic Jerry. What happens to a saltwater fish that goes into freshwater? Because they're not going to petri- or mummify. They just suffocate as well, or what happens to them? They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna suffocate and then probably um, sink. I would imagine their cells get like engorged with water, so it's like the exact opposite. So it's like they get they drown like super filled up. Yeah, they 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 drown hardcore. That is the lamest way for a fish to go out is drowned. <laughs> You're a fish and you drown. <laughs> oh, man. You had one job. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Damn evolution. How dare you? <laughs> That's what makes what what are, what are those fish that go from saltwater to freshwater? The salmon or trout or salmon, right? Yeah, they go upstream from the wherever the river ends, I guess. What do they call it? The mouth of the river to the swim upwards and to the Yeah, but but don't they by the time they get to the top and spawn, they get they just start rotting away immediately. Is that yeah, because of the water, or is that just because once they spooge, they just <laughs> disintegrate? I think, I think it's that after they spooge, they disintegrate. So it's like one last hurrah, and then you die. That's a, another awful thing to happen. Like <laughs> you're a human. It's <laughs> like, hey, I just want to let you know. And sex ed, they didn't teach us, but once you spooge the first time into a lady, <laughs> you just shrivel up and die. <laughs> you will die. Your body rots apart too, really gross. Like you don't just die normal. That is if you're not eaten by a bear. Uh, yeah, that'd be unfortunate, too. It's like, yeah, guys, I'm headed up river. I'm going to have sex. Ah, God damn. Oh, no. <laughs> the bear got me. The solution to all this is don't get stranded on a desert island. With or without don't be- just don't. <laughs> don't become a fish person. You might not get a choice. It's. I mean, is it up to you? I feel like if you're trying to become a fish person, you're already beyond saving to begin with. Your mental state is not all there. Hmm. You might have a point. Yes. We should probably get into this episode. I don't think people want to hear about fish monsters anymore. (laughs) Or maybe the whole episode should be fish monsters. Yeah. All right. Hey there, folks. You are listening to the Drunk Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. Spencer is off. He is... I don't know where he's at. Doing something nefarious, probably. But today, he's... He hasn't been on for, what, a month? Two months now, I think. Three months. Who the hell knows? Mr. Ashley Hatter, how are you doing, sir? How's it going, man? What's up? What's up? That's the first step into becoming a fish monster. <laughs> Watch those. What what were they? They were '90s commercials, right? With the frogs, the Budweiser guys. Budweiser. No, the yeah. frogs did the Budweiser, and then the oh, yeah, douchey right. frat boys did the was up. That's true. Yeah, I think they did actually have a, a combo commercial there at some point, though. Where uh, and the douchey frat boys kind of looked frog-like, so maybe that's why I was. <laughs> if you can't tell by the title of this episode we are talking about reading more specifically 19 powerful techniques to build a reading habit this article is brought to you by one <laughs> i'm not gonna call him nasty nick but i really want to nick nick wingnall wing now wig nasty wig nasty wig nasty uh-huh. i don't know this gentleman but i'm sure he will hate our guts when he finds out we uh 
used his article, and after I tag him in the show notes, I'm sure he'll see it. So we'll see how that goes. Litigation, I think it only be, uh, I think you can only sue somebody if they're getting money off of your work. I don't know how that. I don't true. know if that's true. I hope. And it's, it's true. on public. Yeah, it's it's a public website. Everything like that. Yes. Heck, we. We probably just gave him an awesome hip hop name so he can go do like beat poetry at night. Yeah. Like next up on the stage, Mr. Wig Nasty. Wig Nasty. <laughs> Bongos, please. We can't do that again because the last episode me and Spencer did was about uh, poetry and we did way too much spoken word poetry with pseudo uh, bongo playing. <laughs> I was listening. I was like, "Oh, this is this, this is a thing. This is happening." I didn't learn a damn thing, but I uh, I, I decided I do want to start doing spoken word poetry. Awful spoken word poetry, more specifically. Hmm. I feel like that's an easy an easy area of poetry to get into. I don't know. I think it's probably pretty saturated at this point. <laughs> All you have to do is like go through your tweets and read those out loud with dramatic pauses. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> William Shatner style. Well, since we gave such an awesome intro to this article, let me just hop right into number one. If you want to develop a strong, sexy reading habit, the first thing you mm-hmm. want to do is quit more books. Bum, bum, bum. Boom, do it. I agree. Let's 100%. See, let's see what Mr. Nick Nasty has to say about this. <laughs> I can appreciate the irony of beginning an article on how to build a reading habit by encouraging you to quit reading, but bear with me. A fundamental Roar. motivating force for reading more is enjoyment. When we enjoy a particular book, our motivation to continue reading is stronger. Makes sense. I agree also with this gentleman because I found a lot of a lot of times in my younger years when I was reading, I would read a really shitty book and not even in hopes of it getting better, just like this weird thing in my head to say, hey, you got to finish this. You started it. You bought it. You have to finish it. And I would always end up reading awful books that I hated and took way too long and kept me from good books. I'm, a, I'm sure you feel yeah. the same way on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I just in the last couple of years, I adopted the philosophy that if I hate it, like hardcore, I'm, if I'm just not into a book, I'll, I'll dump it and move on to something else. I, I don't have enough time. I don't know when I'm going to kick the bucket, man. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't want to be like halfway through a shitty book and just like keel over from lung cancer I didn't know I had or something like that. Yeah, and that's the last memory you have, kind of like uh, Daniel, yeah. Lus- Daniel Lusky's father <laughs> reading his awful, yeah. his awful memoirs or whatever. Yeah. I read it to my dad when he was dying of cancer, and he said he hated it. It's like, well. Somehow he managed to die faster, too, because of that. (laughs) The poor guy. They found a scalpel in his neck. (laughs) He broke that cutoff switch for the morphine and just kept pressing the button. Oh, no. (laughs) That's a much better way to go out to reading that fucking book. (laughs) No job. But, yeah, I I think um, I agree with, uh, like, what you what you said where you came from with feeling the the compulsion to finish reading it because you started it i think a lot of people feel that that way they're not trying to reach the end hoping that it gets better they're just re- trying to get to the end so that they can say that they finished it it's like a point of pride or something like that or it validates their opinion i'm like well this like just yesterday i stopped reading a book after 100 pages because i was just like man i 
it was an interesting premise. It was written kind of cool, but you know, a hundred pages into it and not, and nothing was happening. So I'm like, well, I'll move on to something else. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to bail. Um, like you were saying about people with the compulsion to finish, I feel that definitely falls on like the, who, when people say, Oh, you know, I read that book that happens a lot with like the James Joyce types where you yeah. read James Joyce. And a lot of times, like, especially nowadays, obviously modern readers, you read that and you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like you read Ulysses or something. Chances are, you're probably not going to like it because yeah. you know, it's so dated the language and stuff. And it's hard to read to begin with. So I don't, I don't understand why you'd want to waste time on it. Other than yeah. to say, oh, yeah, I read it, and then you can not talk about it because, one, nobody else has read it, and, two, even the people who have don't know what the hell happened. Exactly. It's More- not like at the end of it you get a trophy or anything. It's just like I guess you have bragging rights, but if you're going to brag about a book you didn't understand. It's like, well, I, I can do that without even reading a book. Yeah. Um, if you're going to brag about something stupid like that, how about brag about finishing writing a book versus finishing reading a book? That would be more brag-worthy in my opinion. Yeah. Yay! Amen. Preach, sister. Yeah. All right. Mm. Number two, the go-to box method. I've not heard of this. There's a fairly (laughs) there's a fairly (laughs) common dieting and weight loss hack called the to-go box method. It goes something like this: As soon as you order a meal at a restaurant, ask immediately that half of it be put into a to-go box once it's ready, and only the other half served to you. That's yeah, I heard that for fat people. It's basically a stricter version of portion control. We can apply the same technique to get ourselves to read more. I think many people would acknowledge that they're, they'd prefer to spend some time in the evenings reading rather than vegging out in front of our, hours of Netflix. But when evening rolls around, we tend to automatically sink into the Netflix habit. If two hours of Netflix each night is the equivalent of a huge meal at a restaurant, then cutting it in half would still give you the satisfaction of watching Netflix in the evening, but also free up time to read as well. So pretty much just monitor your time and kind of, you know, split your TV time and your reading time is what I'm getting here. Yeah, that makes sense. Common sense. Common sense. See, I find uh, the way I do it is even less complicated unless I just have a real urge to read throughout the day. I usually just right before I go to bed, like when I'm laying in my bed or something, I'll read for an hour or two to fall asleep. Yeah. Kind of simple. Yeah. I don't sacrifice TV. Well, I don't watch a lot of TV anyway, but I'm not sacrificing like my free time because mainly I'm usually writing or something. So my time goes to that and I don't really want to sacrifice my writing time to read something. So I just I have an allotted time where I read and it's usually the end of the night. And it's easy. Some people it's in the morning or at lunchtime. Just make the time. You'll be happy. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I try doing the same thing. Um, just uh, depends on how much writing I need to get done or whatever. But I guess some people, if they have a really bad problem with TV and Netflix and all that, you could always just like throw a rock through your TV, thereby forcing you to only read or play solitaire with like cards or something like that. Right, right. You know, it's, it's, everyone has their own journey. So, whatever makes you happy, really. Number three, I like this one too. Book summaries aren't cheating. Where he's going with this, let's see, yeah, so where he's going with this one is that before you even start a bad book that you end up quitting, if you read a summary on the book beforehand and it appeals to you or, and you can even go a little farther and read reviews on books, oftentimes if I'm questioning a book after I read the summary, I'll read some reviews on it to kind of get other people's perspectives. That way you don't jump into a shitty book because that's the worst thing is when you think it's going to be good, 
but you don't know much about it, and then it just turns out awful. Yeah. I, I'm, I think I'm kind of torn on that one. I like, but that's because I like going into stuff without knowing anything about what's going on. Like, I, I like being surprised on whether or not it's going to be a good book. So, and maybe that's because I don't have a problem quitting bad books or books that I don't like. So maybe that frees up a little more uh, ability for me to do that. But, you know, if, if it works for you, I, I, I support you in your summation habit. Well, that uh, style, like the summaries can actually backfire too. two instances. One, House of Leaves. I read the summary and I was like, oh, this sounds like it would be really good. <laughs> and that, that was a mistake. I, I'm not going to regret this choice at all. <laughs> no. And also, we did a stupid podcast on it, so we had to be forced to finish it. Which was because that would have been a definite definite quit for me. But then the other aspect of it is, you know, you can read the the summary and be turned off. And then if you didn't read the summary, you might actually like that book because the summary yeah. was uh, sometimes they're just bad, you know, poorly written summaries or whatever. Like you might get out of a book actually isn't in the summary. So maybe the themes are something that would really catch your eye, but that's not in the summary. It's just the plot or something like that. And uh, you could could actually miss out on books that way, too. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, you get a lot of uh, information out of a summary, like uh, the plot, you know, major characters and stuff like that. But you're not going to be able to get uh, the cadence of the the writer's prose, you know, the feel of their use of words. If there's any sort of poetry or anything that you can't really put that in a summary other than saying they write good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's, there's times, too, where I have didn't really actually care for the story, but I enjoyed the writer's style of writing so much that I enjoyed the book overall or the story overall. And that's something you'll miss with the summary, too. Like H.P. Lovecraft. There's some H.P. Lovecraft stories I didn't even care for, but his style of writing I really enjoyed and the things he talked about I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. I'm trying to think of another writer like that, but I'm kind of... I th- honestly, I think um, Virginia Woolf's, uh, what is it, Going to the Lighthouse? Mm-hmm. Um, or To the Lighthouse, To the Lighthouse. I didn't really care about the story. Not that there's much of a story there anyway, um, but it's just the really hypnotizing form of, you know, stream of consciousness that she captures. It's really, really cool to read. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, you're like, I mean, not a lot happened. There wasn't really too much that I can say that I read about, but it was beautiful. I loved it. Well, there's some, like uh, Jack Kerouac, for instance. I wouldn't really yeah. say his storytelling is all that enthralling or even the stories itself, the themselves are that interesting, but just kind of his style of writing and the nature themes he puts in it and stuff, that's what I like. So, yeah. you know, you can you can enjoy books that aren't, you can enjoy books just for the writing versus the story, which that actually might be a cool episode to go into on its own sometime. Mm-hmm. For the sake of time, yeah. we'll continue here. Number four, this one we <laughs> this this one we talked about offline, and we kind of both were in agreement. Embrace the audiobook. Now, like I said, I if re- I've listened to some uh, short stories in audiobook form, whether they're podcast or uh, like I've listened to some Stephen King short stories. And if the narrator, like the person, uh, sometimes they get voice actors and stuff, it's not too bad. But for me, I just, I'm not an audiobook kind of guy. I have to read it. Li- like, listening to it reminds me of old-timey radio, and I just, that's not my bag, you know? 
Yeah, it's um, the narrator makes a huge, huge impact. I mean, obviously, I guess that's a common sense statement, so I shouldn't feel too insightful. But um, I, I was telling you about, um, you know, I listened to Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. It has a really cool premise. Um, it has a very open ending to it, but the narrator was just so dry that I felt like I was listening to a car manual half the time. I didn't <laughs> care about any of the characters. I was just like, oh my gosh, somebody do something and just, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> now, conversely, I think that if you, uh, which I think he says, and I'm not, because we don't have time to read all his, you know, go to the article, people, if you actually want to read this, but, uh, what he talks about, I believe, is, um, for instance, if you're like for me, I drive for a living. So I, I mean, I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving, but I could just as easily listen to an audio book. And I think that's what, uh, what works for a lot of people. Say they have long commutes to work and stuff, or they you have a job where you can listen to something while you're working. Audiobooks actually might be a, a preferred option because you can. You're, you're, you know, you're multitasking, so to speak. So you can actually knock out books while you're going about your day, which which is a cool thing. I mean, obviously, audiobooks are pretty popular, and uh, we should probably get Audible as a sponsor on this on this show sometime. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Trying to nudge the corporate. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I think audiobooks are a great uh, great medium. Um, it actually kind of takes people back to the. Uh, the days of like just storytellers, traveling storytellers. We had some of those that visited my elementary school when I was growing up and it was absolutely awesome. I love listening to those guys. Um, cause they, they're so good at just conveying all the emotion and getting you hyped for the, the big twist or whatever. And so audiobooks are kind of like a, a toss back to that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really cool to see. I, I didn't expect it to grow as big as it is, but I guess it's like a huge industry that just keeps getting bigger. So I'm like, hey, power to you, I guess. Well, it makes sense with how busy people are. I'm actually glad that they at least went to audio books versus just not reading at all. And like you were talking yeah. about the, uh, you know, the storytellers, you know, like Mark Twain was the first stand up comedian, and that's what he did. He went around the country on a storytelling tour, which is essentially what a lot of stand up comedians are. They're also storytellers. So that's. That's definitely an art form I do not want to see ever die out. And um, with the creation of audiobooks, I think uh, it'll hopefully stick around for some time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ooh, this might be controversial. Number five, skip the stories. This, uh. dun, 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 dun. this one applies specifically to nonfiction books, especially contemporary self-help and business style books. A lot of these newer nonfiction books contain huge sections devoted to telling elaborate stories or in it as, okay, I get what he's saying. So yeah. if you're going to read a self-help book, fucking don't read half the self-help book, apparently. Um, <laughs> I don't read self-help books generally. The The only one I remember reading in the last couple of years was the the uh, War of Art, which we covered on the podcast. That's why we read it. And that was, that was okay. I'm just... I don't really need to be told how to, I don't need somebody else to motivate me generally, but some people do, I guess. Yeah. It's, I think it's an emotional high for people. It just gets them stoked. It's kind of like listening to like badass cinematic music before you're about to work out or something like that. Or mm -hmm. yeah, just, it, it sets the mood. I think in people's lives, get some, get some centered again. So that's what people it takes for some people, you know, I, I understand that for me, it's like a shot of, whiskey and coffee in the morning then i'm good to go but uh, 
That's each their own. Well, according to Nick, a good general principle to follow if you want to read more is to read more efficiently. And judiciously, skipping stories is a good way to become a more efficient reader. So, again, that's what you want to get out of the reading experience, too. If I'm reading a book, I mean, we, again, we were making fun of Moby Dick off air about all the <laughs> fucking wailing, and you can skip the wailing, and it doesn't really affect the book. But if you want to get the most out of the book, obviously, you're going to read the wailing parts, but to each his own. I mean, it's just whatever you're into and uh, how much time you have, and you can certainly skip needless things, such as House of Leaves, where we, I skipped probably whole chapters that were just nonsense, so... <laughs> and I didn't miss a damn thing. Well, it's because it was written in another language. It's like Italian and Portuguese over here. I'm like, am I, am I supposed to translate this? Or you know, there are there has to be multiple douchey groups of uh, like book clubs that are just dedicated to breaking down that book. Uh, you you know it exists. Yeah, it's it exists somewhere out there. It exists. I guess in in regards to the skip the stories thing, it kind of comes down to what you want out of your reading experience. Like if you want strictly just information, I guess that's a great rule to keep in mind. Like you don't actually need to read the anecdotes, but if you want to read something specifically for the story or the style of writing or the, the tone or whatever, I guess figuring out what, what you want going into a book, what do you want to get out of it can, uh, can help you approach it a little more efficiently. Certainly. Boom. Boom. Slam, baby. Oh, no, yeah. Number six, read with the pencil. Nah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this actually is advice that I've read from the likes of, like, your Teddy Roosevelt's and just great men, through, well, great people throughout history, rather, that have, uh, to get the most from your books, fiction or nonfiction, take notes, underline passages. I would say that I don't do this, but honestly, on my Kindle, I do because I highlight passages that I just think are exceptionally beautiful or uh, things that I think are just pertinent to the story that I would like to ch that go back to and, you know, kind of dive into a little more. For instance, like in the House of Lees, the one thing I did actually like, and um, since, you know, it's like a $20 book or something, I didn't highlight things in there, but I wrote down the, the thing about the uh, Minotaur that they were doing with the Labyrinth. And uh, yeah, because that was actually something I wanted to research more and go back into. So you can get a lot out of a book. Uh, it's almost like the uh, nerdy kid in school who, uh, you know, the notes they always have on the sides of the textbooks that you can go for further reading. That's pretty much what yeah. that is, you know. And then again, I also do that with uh, on the Kindle. I like to highlight words I don't know. So not just to look up the word, but so I could actually know it and use it in my own writing or. Uh, things like that. And I mean, it's essentially just yeah. taking notes. Yeah. I, I, I do that uh, occasionally. I, I have a, a pocket like mole skin that I keep on me wherever I go. And so I'll, I'll jot down um, if I'm reading like a, a page number or a, a sentence, um, a fragmented sentence or something like that. If I want to go back there so that I, I have something to draw on, but I had a teacher in high school that was just like obsessed with us writing in our books and we had to do a certain amount of writing and it just That'll it, take it, it out kind of you. killed me on that. Yeah, I was that, like, well, ah, never doing this again. <laughs> that just fucking ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Jerk. Number seven. <laughs> I did not know the importance of this. Uh, I didn't know the importance of this one until we started doing it for the podcast. Get a book buddy. 
which is essentially mm-hmm. just reading a book of you know with or alongside somebody else. So we did the House of Leaves episode, and I don't know about you, but I definitely would have not finished that book if we weren't reading it together and actually were able to discuss it because I just found some of it so fucking boring. Um, <laughs> Spencer and I have covered a few, quite a few books now on the show, and uh, even before then, we would read certain things, uh, kind of along just to talk about it, and we're. Like, I'm in a, a book club, and we talk about books, too, like, once a month. So, not only does that kind of motivate you more, it can get you to read things you normally wouldn't get into or try. And it, uh, I think it's just a good way to learn things that you might have missed in the book. Almost like when you go back to read certain people's reviews or something, you might find something that you didn't even realize was in the book. You get that when yeah. you talk to your buddies who are reading the book as well. Yeah, and I think it, um... Uh, it kind of draws that, that, that buddy system, it works in so many areas of life. Like, um, you know, people battling different addictions, they have an accountability partner. Uh, you, you want to get the most out of your workout. You have a workout buddy that goes and spots you and pushes you and you push them and everything. Um, and so I guess it only makes sense that it would also work with books. And I, I do agree that I would not have finished house of leaves there were so many times when i felt like being like oh man i should just tell caleb i'm sick <laughs> and we can't do it <laughs> it's like ah oh, wait he's probably already read this and then i'm gonna feel like a jerk but i definitely can felt, i live with myself after that i definitely felt like i read that book faster because <clears throat> i was just like i have to read as much of this as possible because ashley's probably reading this really fast so he could get done with the shitty thing <laughs> and I, was like, I don't want to have him on page 800 and i'm still on 300 <laughs> like oh man i have to get through this <laughs> blitz uh, number eight create some book nooks i'm gonna have to read this one because i don't know what the fuck you talking about people have strong <clears throat> opinions about whether it's good to be reading multiple books at once as a pragmatist i say go for it if it works for you i can do that but they have to be different books like i can read classic literature and modern literature you know, I, I usually split one where I'm reading one in the morning and the other one at night, or if they're different genres. If I'm reading, you know, two different books about Greek mythology, I, I'm probably going to get burnt out or just lose interest. So, yeah. But again, that I mean, there's a lot of people that can't read multiple books at once. Fiction and nonfiction is a good way to go. You could read a fiction book yeah. and nonfiction, and that won't. It's like I mean, if you could watch fucking more than one TV show at a time, you can read more than one book at a time. Yeah, Sorry, I'm reading through this passage. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's just what this whole thing's about, is reading multiple. I don't know why it's called Create Some Book Notes. Yeah, Book Notes. That's weird. Yeah, that's a weird phrasing. So, I guess you could, you know, read more books at once. I mean, t- going back to Teddy Roosevelt, he read, like, multiple books a day, because like, apparently he was a fucking genius. But, um... <laughs> it's the mustache. The mustache helps. That, not having TV or radio, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, number nine, use a commitment device. Ooh, a commitment device like is a psychological technique to help us stay committed to our long-term aspirations when faced with short-term distractions or temptation. I thought he was going to say it's like a machine, like from Clockwork Orange, that holds your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> and it drops in the eye drops to keep you from drying out. <laughs> right. <laughs> keep reading. A basic- okay. A basic example of how to use a commitment device is to help or to help you stick with your goal of reading a little bit each night. Why is this just a big run-on sentence? I'm not reading this anymore. 
essentially just carve out again this goes what i was talking about earlier carving out 30 minutes hour whatever it is of your time that you're specifically going to use to read and this goes with writing too if you make sure it's like a routine you set up almost if you make sure that you have a set time to do something and you stick to it that's your reading device or you know you're reading whatever the fuck you said a commitment device you uh essentially just make time to read pretty much so not not complicated folks that that kind of bleeds into number 10 using a reading tracker it's it's essentially you keep trying you use like a calendar or something like that to note how many days that you've read and how much and if you miss a day on reading or something like that then you have to mark a uh, red x Right. through that day so and then you can be like oh well i made it three days and maybe next time i can make it four and you just keep trying to push yourself i know this is so. about becoming a serious reader but i feel like that kind of carries you into the line of, of obsession <laughs> like, i feel yeah. that's uh you know when you're writing on the calendar i mean it's good especially if you're having trouble sticking to a reading plan i mean i've never had problems with that if i'm in the mood i read and if i don't i could go three days without reading Usually I read every day, yeah. but again, it's, and I'm sure it's going to come up on this list. I, I read for pleasure. I enjoy it. If it's, if it feels like work, I'm not going to want to read as much. And that's kind of uh, why a lot of kids in school end up not becoming readers is because you're forced to read and it sucks ass and you're not reading what you want to read. And who the fuck wants to read according to a super strict schedule? I mean, that's not fun. Yeah, that, that happened with me in a raisin in the sun. We read that like every year for five years. I was like, can we stop? <laughs> no, it's relevant. It's relevant to your education. Uh, like, oh my gosh. Five times relevant, really? I don't uh, remember if I read that. All I could ever think about when I hear that title was the California Raisins from like the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The one playing the saxophone. <laughs> Yeah, they were great. <laughs> Maybe if Raisin in the Sun was more like those guys, I'd be down to read it. Oh, yeah. Number 11, <laughs> cultivate a board of recommended reading. The idea here is to cultivate a small handful of relationships with people whose taste and knowledge of books you admire and respect. So that would be kind of like, you know, joining a Goodreads group or just making friends on Goodreads and you all almost going back to the book buddy thing. You're just kind of reading books and recommending books to each other and kind of keeping each other accountable to read these books i'm down yeah. for that i think that's all right i i tried to connect with people on goodreads but i just i don't know maybe my tastes are too varied or too particular or people are just douchebags but i just find i don't i don't really <laughs> care <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm so super picky with what i read it it kills a lot of recommendations for me but if i find a book i love i'm gonna love it is a thing like yeah so i i'll go like 10 to 15 bad well by by my standards it doesn't mean they're actually bad books they just don't jive with me uh, but you know maybe number 16 is the one that i just absolutely fall in love with and i'm like man that's awesome but it's uh i'm hesitant to to do too many recommendations to people because i have eclectic taste yeah like, eh. Well, another thing with uh, things like Goodreads or even Twitter reading groups and stuff like that, and it kind of goes with writing groups as well. My main issue is that uh, more often than not, I'm reading just for me or I'm writing just for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I want – like it's almost like a solo endeavor. It's just I, 
I enjoy sharing what I've read and things I've liked with other people. But when it comes to actually, you know, we always talk about uh, when you're writing, just sit down and write. Quit talking about fucking writing and just write. That kind of goes with reading, yeah. too. Don't sit there talking constantly about what you're reading because then you're not reading. Just fucking read it. I mean, yeah. talk about it afterwards or have set times during the week where you can meet people and talk about it. But don't just sit there constantly talking about it because then how are you reading it? Yeah, it's it's that whole uh, modern day Instagram thing. It's like, well, if I don't show people that I'm eating food, does that mean that I haven't eaten food? It's like, well, um, it's not everything yeah, has to be actually, a social experience. Yeah, it's like I, I don't update you every time I have to go take a shit or something like that. Yeah. But you know, it, it's bound to happen. So yeah, I agree. Just if you want to read, read. Don't you don't need to tell everyone. Yeah, until you're Again, done. It's and then you can be like, hey, this book was awesome. Yeah, it's completely fine to talk about the book even while you're reading it, but don't make that your whole like don't read just because that you know, oh, I'm a reader and I you know, that's my form of socialization. I mean you can if that's what you get out of life, but for me, I don't I don't think that's the best way to go. I don't know if that would make you a serious reader or not. Because again, when you when you force yourself to read things just to be a part of a group at some point, you're not going to actually be reading them. You're just kind of skim through or read summaries or you're going to fake it pretty much just to fit in. I mean, if I joined a serious readers group and they started reading like Jane Austen or something that I don't really care about, there's a pretty good chance I probably will get bored with it and not read it and just like go to the discussion anyway and just fucking bullshit. I don't want to do that. It's a waste of my time. Yeah. Number 12, no- consume less news. I agree with that one. I think that's just good for your daily life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'll improve your outlook. There's so much just bull crap going on or being spewed or recycled. It's like, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff in the world going on. Yes. But there's so much good stuff going on or even just benign. Just like not everything's terrible and not everything's amazing. Sometimes it's just life. And you don't need to freak out about it or be updated every 20 seconds. Yeah, sometimes the price of pickles just go up a cent and sometimes they go down five cents. It doesn't, that's uh, not really a big deal. You don't need to talk about it. But uh, I hate it when they raise the price on pickles. God damn it. Ah! <laughs> What's the deal, Dill? <laughs> deal does. <laughs> I, uh. <laughs> Moby Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it should have been Moby Richard personally. No, um, <laughs> I I think that uh, as far as the news goes, if you're the more news you're reading, the less you're actually reading for yourself. You're reading, you know, almost to get outraged or whatever it is, but definitely can cut down on the news or keep news again scheduled to a certain period of the day. You know, oh, like back in the old days, you woke up in the morning, have your cup of coffee, read the newspaper, and that's the news people got throughout the day. Maybe they watch like the five o'clock news at night or whatever, and that's it. Nowadays, it's constant, and it's yeah. it's it's too much. In the twenty-four hour news cycle, is an awful, awful invention, and I it makes me want to turn into it makes me want to form a militia and be one of those guys in Oregon living out in the woods with a bunch of guns. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel, Caleb? I feel like I'm going to go to the next one here, <laughs> number thirteen. <laughs> Read in burst. For most people, establishing a consistent reading routine is the way to build a better reading habit, but that doesn't mean it's the only way to read. This is true. In fact, for some people, (laughs) reading in burst is a better way to maintain the reading habit. For example, one year during grad school, my schedule was such that I was extremely busy four out of five workdays. And it was a reading... Okay, so pretty much 
if you could, if you're really busy and you only have Saturday to read, you fucking read a shitload on Saturday. That goes back to the advice you should write every single day. No, you don't have to write every single day. Not everybody writes like that. Some people they're burst writers, and you know they can go Friday and Saturday and just lock themselves up for ten hours during the day and write. Same with reading. You can lock yourself up a certain period and just read and read and read a whole book in a day. There's many times where I've read a whole novel in one day and then didn't read for like a week. That's fine. It's just what, as long as you're reading is the important thing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think uh, as long as you're, you kind of have to dump the, uh, the belief that, like you said, that you need to write every day, you need to read every day. It's like, well, you know, yes, Stephen King writes every single day for like five hours and puts out 3000 novels a year. But that's what works for him. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's Stephen King. There are, there are other authors where it takes several years to write a single book or a single story or whatever. Like stop comparing yourself and just as, as, as soon as you dump all that pressure of trying to be like another author or another reader, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. And you're going to find out that, Oh man, I actually have something to say with this. And it's actually really good. So, well, again, it goes into compulsion. You could easily mm-hmm. become one of those people who read compulsively. And it's not a good thing because now you're forced. It's like you get anxious if you don't read every day and you should never feel anxious when it comes to reading or writing or something that you do for enjoyment. When you, it becomes mm-hmm. anxious or becomes a chore, then that's when maybe you should actually just cut back and take a break. Reset yeah. yourself a little bit. I was that way with crack cocaine as well. And I was like, man, this has got to, I, I keep twitching and just rubbing my gums. And I, I don't know, is that crack cocaine or is that just straight cocaine where you rub your gums? Um, I'm not quite sure, but I found when I did lots of crack cocaine, what worked best for me was to just do it so hardcore that it actually came out the other side and somehow it was just sober and completely fine. Oh, yeah. Like 90, of course. Like 80% of my body was crack cocaine and then there's nowhere, like you just switch over and you become a human again somehow. It's weird. Oh, man. Or Advice a, to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> become a crack monster. It'll, it'll, it'll definitely help your life. You'll be it'll very productive. Out. It'll work out. Number 14, always have a book on deck. I have never, ever, ever, ever had this problem where I didn't have a book on deck. I have 800 books on deck, and everybody I know that reads has 800 books on deck. Is that like a TBR pile? Is that what it's talking about, or just always having a book on you? Uh, Let me check to make sure. No, it's just always know what your next book is going to be. Yeah, having a book on you at all times is a different thing, but we all have phones on ourselves. So, you, I mean, as long as you have a phone on you, you always have reading material fucking somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I carry, uh, I try carrying a novel either. And, uh, I try to, I, I prefer physical books, but if, you know, if I'm in a bind or something, I, I do have my phone and the Kindle or the Nook app on there. Mm. But, um, I, I don't have necessarily a schedule of what I'm going to read next, but I do have like anywhere from 10 to 20 books that I'm like, well, I'm going to, my next book's coming out of this slosh pile. So, yeah, I, I have a set of books, and when I'm done reading whatever I'm reading, I just kind of go by what I feel. So, I, yeah. so oftentimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this book next, but then by the time I get to it, I'm like, actually, I want to read this, and I'll switch to something else. Um, yeah. And I also actually, uh, almost every day I have at least a paperback on me, but usually that's like either short stories or poetry or something. I don't necessarily need a whole novel, because once I start, I'm the type of person... Once I start reading a novel, well, then I have to kind of finish the novel unless it's success. Yeah. 
Number, what kind of poetry is it? Erotica, um, like erotic Bigfoot, zombie Bigfoot poetry? erotica. You know, oh, we were talking about, yeah, we okay. were talking about the Bigfoot, uh, just erotic fiction. It's Bigfoot erotic poetry. I wrote it, mm. so uh, don't don't judge me that I read my own <laughs> sex poetry. Ah, that's that's okay as long as you get something out of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I got a whole chapter just talking about his, uh, you know, like the the nappy fur and the, the genital <laughs> area, how it gets really musky. <laughs> oh man number 15 write a tiny book report i personally don't agree with this because i don't want to make again i don't want my book reading to be uh homework but it can work for some people if that's what you enjoy because you can revisit what you just read and make it'll help you for sure will help you uh digest the information more and what you just read yeah, I think um, people that are really active online, especially with uh, Goodreads or Amazon, uh, and leaving reviews, this would kind of fall under that. Because as you're leaving your review, you're you're really thinking over what what you just read. It's like, well, I, I thought I hated this when I was reading it, but now looking back or looking at the grand scheme and writing this report, maybe I actually like that, or maybe I actually hated this part I thought I loved. So. It's. I, I do think writing something down is helpful and organizing thoughts, but I don't think it's necessary. I would like, I mean, sometimes I do wish I would write reviews for books I've read just for the simple fact that I do catalog what I read on Goodreads, but I usually just give it a star rating. But then if I go back and I see a book and I'm like, why did I give that three stars? And then I can't remember. So it, even just a small blurb maybe could be helpful or just write down some notes. Uh, again, each their own, whatever you're into. Uh, personally, I don't have the time and I just don't want to. <laughs> Number 16, create a reading bucket list. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Isn't that kind of like having a book on deck? That's what I was thinking. Or is this specifically like if you're diagnosed with terminal cancer, then you like the Make-A-Wish Foundational hold a gun to your head and make sure that you read everything on your bucket list. This is about, not so extreme, this is about, uh, (laughs) this is about writing down the list of books you, you know, like a bucket list, like books like a Moby Dick or Pride and Prejudice, books that you would want to read one day, but you might not want to read at the moment. Almost like just so you don't forget to read them at some point in your life. And I, I mean, okay. I could get that. I kind of have that too. It's mine's more of a mental note, but uh, like on Goodreads, I have uh, they have the category books you want to read. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, like the hundred great classics to read before you die, or yeah, everyone needs to read. One of those. Okay, things. I got you. I got you. Seventeen, master the art of reading. Well, damn. Um, you can never master the art. The learning comes in the journey. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this kind of goes into like speed reading and stuff and just uh, mastering the way you read to the point where you could get the most information in the least amount of time. Um, again, you'd have to look up separate articles for that, I would think. Yeah. Because I can speed read, but I don't retain the information that well when I do that. And I usually hold that for, uh, for instance, House of Leaves. I did a lot of speed reading, like <laughs> things that I don't mind if I miss some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but um, I personally, I just kind of like to slowly devour a book. So when I'm reading it, I'm kind of just taking it in. I don't hurry myself. I don't rush myself. Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness I thought was super boring. So I spent, I read through that kind of as fast <laughs> as I could. Uh, it just depends what and you're And that's reading. a short book. So like, that's, that's pretty easy. It's like 100, I find if I, 
it's like a hundred pages that goes on for eight hundred pages somehow. It's just yeah. really, really verbose, and I just I couldn't get into it. And that was before and I got to the uh, racism. So I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I find um, if I start speed reading a fiction book, because mo- most of the time in nonfiction, I'm pretty good at uh, retaining information that I read really fast, as long as it's nonfiction. But with fiction, at least for me, I think that that's something that should like the story should slow you down to where you're just like, oh, no, I, I actually want to take the time to enjoy this and invest in it. And so if it gets to a point where I just start speed reading through just passages and everything, it's I'm probably just worth like, ah. quitting. Yeah, I'm like, well, we had a good run. Now to put <laughs> you out of my misery. <laughs> and then light it on fire. <laughs> I've only done that to one book. What was that? House of Leaves? That was, uh, no, 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 House of Leaves wasn't that bad. That was uh, Catcher in the Rye. Oh, uh, yeah, I never read that. I just, uh, I, I don't want to do I that finished to it, walked out to my grill, threw it on there, poured a bunch of lighter fluid on it, and just burned it. Uh, uh, that's deserved. <laughs> it's like, I hated every second of this. Number 18, which would be a good option for books you don't like. Uh, they have this little library post. Uh, at least my town does. There's little library things where you could just put in a book, like on the street corner or something, and then kids can get books out of it. So maybe do that with your books in the future instead of burning them, unless it's Catcher in the Rye, which deserves it. <laughs> but number 18 is schedule a library day. I, uh, I'm i kind of bad about this because I haven't been to the library in years. And I used to love going to the library, checking out books, perusing, things like that. But the... Uh, Main thing is I just don't really have time. No, the uh, the library system in Kansas City is actually really really good. It's um, there's libraries everywhere, so it makes it a lot easier to get there and a lot more convenient. Um, some of them even have like if you get get on the library website and um, you can check out the book online, and then some of them actually have drive throughs so you can go up and pick up the book and just like drive off. That's awesome. Which I thought was really cool. But um, I've been. It's mainly for budget reasons. I'll go to a library and just check out a book from an author that I don't know. I did that with um, Pension, with Gravity's Rainbow and everything, because I was like, well, I, I want to read this book, but I don't want to drop like 28 bucks on something that I'm going to hate. So I was like, well, I'll just check it out at the library. And it ended up being a pretty good, pretty good deal. I get a lot of my nonfiction books that way as well. That's a good move. Um, they even have uh, comic books, and at least my library does, like comic books and things like that for people who uh, are into graphic novels and whatnot. Um, I hope this isn't becoming a trend, but the uh, college library in town, they it used to be a really, really nice library, and they had uh, like books going back to the 1700s, like whole sections of that, because you know, it's the expensive-ass college. But... Um, they actually remodeled this year, and they got rid of almost all their books and like replaced them with computers and DVDs and shit. And that just made me oh, sick. Man. I, yeah, they, they didn't even give the books away. They threw them in like a big recycling dumpster with the lids open, and it just rained all summer and just ruined everything. Oh, like, dude! And they had—I'm telling you—they had first edition books from the 1700s in there. They had some what I would think was valuable stuff, but they just let it get destroyed. Um, That's so stupid. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of uh, libraries going that route of getting rid of a lot of their books and doing DVDs and digital downloads and shit like that, which I just, that saddens me. Yeah, there there have been a few um, branches of the library around me where they'll, they'll 
they're super excited about, oh, we're remodeling this location and they'll show the the blueprint online of what it's going to look like. I'm like, where are the books? And it's just like <laughs> row after row after row of like, oh, electronic resources, or this is a conference room. This is another conference room. This is a, you know, this is administrative areas over here. I'm like, yeah, but where are the freaking books? And they're like back in a corner somewhere, like they're in timeout or something. Well, I don't know if you've it's seen, like, but China has this super, super uh, high tech library, and it's just walls and walls of like digital books. Yeah, you know, I, I think you just scan it or something, and they go to go to whatever device. And that just again, that kind of hurts my soul. It's like, ah, oh, man, there's something magical. Uh, like it's almost like a uh, like the page master. There's something magical, magical, not magical, <laughs> something <laughs> magical about a library. And uh, when you get rid of the physical books, I feel like you just. You take that magic out, and now you're just in some kind of sterile, crappy doctor's office-like environment. Yeah, that's. I mean, technology's cool. I think it's awesome that they're ebooks because it makes it a lot more accessible. Um, it gives independent writers a chance to, you know, test out what being published is like or what that entails. But I mean, the physical books. There's there's a reason. That, uh, they're just awesome, like you said. They're magical. Magic. Sans Mac- yeah, Sans Macaulay Culkin or anything like that. But. And number 19, the final entry, find your way. Or find your why, rather. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> find the reason why you're writing. Or, I mean, reason why you're reading. Whatever whatever you do in life, you should have a reason for it, probably. <laughs> so, the end doesn't know. Um, yeah, I guess you want to kind of have a... Not necessarily just a goal in mind, but a reason why you're reading something. I mean, who goes into a... I mean, you can, I guess. I've done it before, just gone into a book and just like, I'll just start reading this, see what happens on board. But for the most part, you <laughs> kind of have a reason or something you want to get out of the book. Like, there's some there's some reason to the madness, you know? Some method to the madness there. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you really have to go into that topic so much, so... What have you learned today, good sir? Uh you know, I've learned that uh, this dude has a really, really awesome potential for a really sick DJ hip hop name. Yeah, yeah, Wig Nasty. Wig Nasty. That's got to be a thing. That's got to be a thing. He needs to contact us, and we got to do an interview or something. He's probably like an eighty-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Wig Nasty? Let's see if he has a Twitter on. No, he's a young man. Oh, he could be Wig Nasty. Yeah, I'm on his profile. Let's find out. Nick Wignall, I'm a psychologist and writer interested in practical psychology for meaningful personal growth. My writing's been featured in media outlets like NBC News, Business Insider, and Inc., but all my newest articles go to the members of my weekly newsletter, and then you can sign up for his newsletter. He looks like a, a dashing young Caucasian fellow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I just found him. Wig Nasty. Look at that guy. Wig Nasty, what up? He'll need a makeover if he's going to be in the hip-hop business. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's cool. I think that uh, this article is really neat. Um, uh, I hope uh, a lot of the listeners are able to uh, you know, hunt it down, read it for themselves, and maybe they'll glean some information that we didn't touch on. But I think it's awesome that there, uh, there are articles like these that are trying to encourage people or give people the tools to be able to read more because i know a lot of people want to read more but it's like well how do i do it how it's like, do well you I do it. gotta hit up our boy wig nasty over here and he'll he'll lead the way well if you folks want to hit up wig nasty uh you can read this article on nickwignall.com that's 
N-I-C-K-W-I-G-N-A-L-L.com. I will post that in the show notes for you. And it is 19 Powerful Techniques to Build a Reading Habit. And he really went into these. We we did a shitty job of reading these. So he really he went in depth there. But I didn't want a three-hour episode either. Um, if you folks want to check out what we're up to, and we – I made an announcement. Well, I don't know when the hell it would be after – I don't know when this episode's posting. But I made an announcement recently about us cutting down just slightly because it's NaNoWriMo. So, like, for the site, what we're posting, we're going to have – Probably maybe a story, a po- like some poetry, and obviously the podcast episodes every week. But we're not going to post every single day for a while, probably till after the holidays. And uh, you can still check out what we're doing over at DrunkPenWriting.com. You can hit us up on the old Twitter, at DrunkPenWriting. And you can go on Instagram and Facebook, DrunkPenWriting. And then uh, if you want to send Ashley nudes, you're going to go, you're, you're gonna have to go old school and find out where he lives because... Uh, I don't want to do him. I did that to Spencer, and he's been getting dick pics nonstop. And <laughs> his whole room is like one of those old, like serial killer detective stories, where his wall was just nothing but dick pictures with arrows drawn to other dicks, and he's trying to like find out who the original dick poster was. I recognize those pubes. <laughs> the poor guy has gone insane. He's he's gone down the dark. That's why he's not on this episode, folks. He's gone down a dark way. He's he's lost in the sea of dicks. He's just like convulsing. Ah, the dicks. Ah, the, the, the dicks. <laughs> we had uh, we had British Ash on. I think like a month or two ago from Erie. This and I think the same thing ended up happening to him because we he he put his social media out there and then we I, I made the offhand comment send him some dick pics and it was bad. He was like, oh yeah, send me your willy pics and it, it that was poor poor choice. Don't do that. Poor choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, if you ask for dick pics, that's one of the few things in life you're guaranteed to get. Especially if you're a lady. Yeah. The, the one thing nobody wants is the thing you always get. Yeah. <laughs> it's like taxes now. Oh, yeah. Just, Taxes, ah, death, and dick pics. Man. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for listening. Thank you, Ash, for being on. It's been a while. We need to get you on it more is. often until Google Hangouts shits the bed, and then I don't know what we're going to do. Why? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.